So, oh, be careful little eyes what you see, or oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Um, one of them must have superpowers because they can actually listen with their eyes, right? So that, so that was cute. Um, oh, be careful little tongue what you say, and oh, be careful little heart who you trust. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to, um, to Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31. Now Job, um, as you know, is, is suffering. He's, he's lost everything. We won't repeat any of that. We've done that for nine weeks now. And, and he has lost everything, and his friends are telling him that the reason that he's having this hard time is because he has sinned. And of course, we know that that is not why he is having this hard time. And so Job is about tired of, he is way beyond tired of them telling him he's a bad person. So he begins to make a couple of statements to them, um, and they're if-then statements is what they are. And basically, he is saying in these if-then statements that he knows for sure that he has not sinned in the manners in which he, he is about to tell them about, okay? So we're going to do this a little different. So we're going to start with verse 38 and then go backwards from, from there. So verse 38 says this, if my land has cried out against me and its furrows have wept together. If I have eaten its shield without payment and made its owners breathe their last. He is basically saying this. If I have treated the land God has given me irresponsibly. Now listen, I, I'm not into this global warming thing, and you might be, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not into this global warming thing. Um, in fact, um, I thought it was funny. There was a teenager that came to me <laughs> Wednesday night. She, she was smiling the whole time she was doing this. And, and she said, uh, there's trees out there that y'all just pulled out. Are y'all going to replant those? And I said, um, no, we have no plans to replant those trees. And with a smile on her face, she said, that's not good for the environment. That really tickled me that, that, she, that she said that. That was really, that was really good. But, but, I, but honestly, I'm not into all that. But this is what I do know. God has given us the responsibility to take care of land, to take care of our houses, and to take care of our environment. I don't think as, as, as far-stretched as the liberals would like us to do, but I do know that, that there's a certain way when you, when you till land that you do it one way so that you preserve the richness of it, and there's just stuff that we do in order to be responsible. What he is saying here is, I have a lot of land, and I have treated it correctly. I have done the right things with it. And to the best of my ability, I have kept it up. I've kept it looking nice. I've kept it to where it could produce fruit. I have been given that responsibility, and I have achieved that responsibility. So then he says this in verse 33 through 34. If I have concealed my transgressions as others do by hiding my iniquity in my heart, because I stood in great fear of the multitude and the contempt of families terrified me so that I kept silence and did not go outdoors. Here's what he's saying. He's saying this. If I've delivered judgment when I'm, I myself am doing the same sin and never admit it. In other words, I have, I've gotten on to people for doing things wrong, but in the privacy of my home, I'm doing those same things. I'm basically living as a hypocrite. 
Um, it, it is like telling your, your, it's like telling your children not to do something that you do. The one thing that I cannot, well, there's many things, but the one thing that I cannot tell my children not to do is speed. Right? Now, I can tell them, you know, there's, there's a cop sitting here, and there's, you, need, you need to be careful, and you need to go a little slower, and, and you don't, but I cannot authentically tell my kids not to go fast because I myself, and they've been in the car, have been going fast. Right? We, yeah. And I tell you, the, the curves on Shalliford Road are a lot of fun. And if you have a car that sticks to the road and just kind of, you, you, you kind of lean in and you feel it and you, you feel that, oh, it's just, oh, it's just awesome. Even if you go at 55, it, the speed limit, it's, it's awesome because you're really not supposed to take those curves. Like some of them are 35, but I can take them 55. Now, my, my uh, wife gets a heart attack over that, right? She, her, her heart beats and she's not really, not really, uh, all clear about that. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this, and Keith, Keith, you can write me a ticket afterwards. Um, we were on the way back from Chapel Hill. Um, Aurora had played a concert in their memorial hall, and it was, it was a great, great time. But on the way back, there was a group of about, I don't know, eight cars, and we just had a, a fun time traveling with those eight cars. There was a lot of things that happened. I, I'm telling you this to say, I cannot authentically tell my kids, don't speak do like I do. I can't do that. I can't do that. However, I can tell them this. Don't cuss, because I don't cuss. Don't use those words. Be intelligent with your speech, with your speech. Just, just be, be intelligent and pure with your speech. I can say that with, with some, you know, authentic nature, but I can't tell them not to speak. This, if I have delivered judgment when I myself am doing the same sin and never admit it, he is saying, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite. What you see is what you get. And that verse 34, it says, because I stood in great fear of the multitude. I've gotten on to the multitude, but I'm scared that they're going to find out something about me. And the contempt of families terrified me. Because I've gotten on to my family, and I'm afraid that they're going to find me in contempt because I'm doing the same thing I'm telling them not to do and judging them for in a harsh way. So that I keep silence and did not go outdoors. So that I keep silence and just hope that they can't find anything on me. Look, I, I'll, I'll tell you this too. I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you this. My dad has this thing about the government and not being on the internet, and if they find his stuff, you know, that he has, he has that going on. He's not crazy. My dad's a brilliant man, but he has that thought process, right? I was talking to him here recently, and I said, look, Dad, I, I don't care. If somebody hacked my emails, if the Russians hacked my emails, they would get sermons and advertisements for stuff that I don't even use. Right? That is what they would find in my emails. If, if, they, if someone went on Apple's iCloud and looked at all of my documents, they would have sermons and books I'm writing and things that, great, go ahead and publish that, WikiLeaks. I could care less about that. Just, just publish it all. The embarrassing part would be that there would be like 
faults that didn't have an end, and then there would be misspelled words that just, oh, it would just be embarrassing from a, like an educational standpoint. But other than that, I don't, I don't really, really care. If, if you were, if they find out what's in my bank account, it's not like you could take it. You have to have something in the bank account in order for it to be stolen. Do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's that deal. I'm not, I'm not the guy. You need to go for Bill Gates or someone else that has money and they'll never miss it, but not me. The point of this is you need to live your life as if you're authentic and not a hypocrite. You don't need to be judging other people for the very thing that you are doing. You also do not need to judge people to cover up your own sin. Some people judge people to cover up the very sin that they're trying to hide. So they tried to divert it, you know, push it to the side here. So he's saying, I, if I've delivered judgment when I myself am doing the same sin, he's saying, I've never done that. Now look at verse 29. Verse 29 says this. If I rejoice at the ruin of him who hated me, or exalted when evil overtook him, in other words, if I ever had somebody that, that was my enemy, and when they got what was coming to them, I had a party, that would be wrong. He is saying, even the people that I don't like, I haven't thrown a party when they got what they deserved. That's what he's saying. I would have to say, I have struggled with, with that one. Okay? I've really struggled with that one. You have people that hurt you, and, and then they get hurt. It's hard not to go, yes. Right? They were proven wrong. It's hard not to do that. But Job here is saying, I've never had a party when one of my enemies got what they deserve. Look at verse 24 through 27. Says this, if I have made gold my trust or called fine gold my confidence, if I have rejoiced because my wealth was abundant or because my hand had found much, if I had looked at the sun when it shone or the moon moving in splendor. In other words, what he's saying is, if I have made money or things my God, if money or things have become my God, so he's saying, I had a lot of wealth that wasn't my God, God was my God. I had a lot of things. Those things were not my God. God was my God. So he's making these statements that he has lived correctly. Look at verse 13. It says this, chapter 31. If I have rejected the calls of my main servant, or my maidservant, when they brought a complaint against me, what shall I do when God rises up, when he makes iniquity of what shall answer him? Verse 16, if I have withheld anything that the poor desired or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail. What are these verses talking about? He's saying, I have always helped the poor and the needy, the people that, that were in trouble. I have always been there to help them. He's making the statement with an if-then statement. If I've, I've helped those in need. Look at verse five. If I have walked with falsehood, and my foot has hastened to deceit. In other words, I, Job is saying, I have always told the truth. That's what he's saying here. 
he is saying that he has not walked with deceit. He has not walked lying to people. That is what he is saying. How many of us could actually say, you know, I have not tried to deceive anybody. I have not lied to people. I have not tried to cover up things that I have done with falsehoods and lies. I've not tried to manipulate situations with my spouse or my children or my family by constantly bringing up falsehoods and trying to manipulate the situation so that everybody will be on my side. I have not walked with falsehoods is what Job is saying here. And then he says this, if my heart has been enticed toward a woman and I have lain in wait at my neighbor's door. He's saying this. If I've been enticed by a woman and fell for it and committed adultery, he is saying he never has done that. This one, this one is one that he spends a, a little bit of time on in this text. In fact, if you look at verse 1, it says this, I have made a covenant with my eyes how then could I gaze at a virgin? He's saying, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Listen, I, I am not about to try to figure out how women handle this, but I can tell every single guy in this church that you need to make a covenant with your eyes to only have eyes for your wife and your wife alone. You need to make that covenant. We live in a day and age where there are images literally everywhere, everywhere. I read a very scary statistic this week, and I do not know if it's true, but it might be. I do not want it to be true, but it might be true. 99% of all high school students have viewed pornography. It is everywhere, everywhere. We, as people of God, need to make covenants with our eyes that if something sensual comes before them, we say, no, we're going to turn it off. We're going to fast forward through that part of the movie. We are not going to put that before our eyes. It changes the way you think the way you view love, the way you um, progress through life. It changes how you look at your husband. It changes the way you look at your wife. It changes that very special moment or moments that you have with them from time to time in marriage. It changes all of that. And it makes it less special because your eyes have been somewhere else, a place that they should not have been. Guys, look. It, it is difficult to keep a covenant with your eyes today. Now, I'm about to say, say a couple of things, and I'm not, I am not laying blame. I'm just making a reality statement. Guys, there are women that do not make this easy. <laughs> they do not make this easy. I don't know if they miss the mirror on the way out. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose but they really should wear more clothes. They, they go out and they're basically advertising for people. Now to a woman, and I've talked to 
some, some or heard some conversations, haven't really talked about this with, with women before, that's kind of awkward, but nonetheless, um, I think sometimes women do it on purpose just to get attention. So here's what I'm going to talk to the ladies about. Make it easier for the guys to keep a covenant with their eyes. Just make it easy. It is not your fault that they act on that. It is not your fault that it takes them to the next level. It is not your fault that they look. It's not your fault. I'm not saying that. But you could really help people not fall into temptation if you just dress correctly. Come on. You just dress correctly. I'm not saying dresses. I'm not saying, I'm just saying be modest. Be modest. Guys, we love images. I mean, we, we are attracted with images. We, we like sight. That's how, that's how we do our thing, right? We, we really do not need to be looking anywhere else but to our wives. Just help us out and dress right. But guys, it doesn't matter if there's a woman in, in the church, at the pool, at Walmart, God bless their hearts, at anywhere where you go, it doesn't matter if there's a woman there. Our responsibility is to make that covenant with our, with our eyes and not look at those people, not look at those women. Once you look, that image hardly ever leaves your mind. If you ever wondered about a guy's memory, if he sees a picture, it's there forever. It's there forever. Make a covenant with your eyes and only have eyes for your wife. That is how God designed it. That's how he wants you to live. That's how he wants you to progress through life. That is the um, way that he wants you to go through life for your family so that they can also make a covenant with their eyes. He is saying, I have made a covenant with my eyes and therefore I have not even thought about falling for my neighbor's wife. I have not even thought about looking somewhere else for that satisfaction. I have never thought about any of that. I've only had eyes for her. And I tell you guys, I think women think that that is a value. I think they think that's a value. So keep your eyes for her and her alone. So what would be my portion from God above, verse 2, and my heritage from the Almighty on high is not calamity for the unrighteous and disaster for the workers of iniquity. Does not he see my ways and number my steps? Does he not see my ways and number myself, my steps? Now, Job has been saying these if-then statements. He said a lot of them. And what he is doing is he's setting up, if I have done this, then this is what I want to happen to me. Okay? So, so we're at the then portion. I, if, if I have looked at a woman, I want this to happen to me. If I have done this, I want this to happen to me. If I have done this, then this should be my judgment. He is okay saying that this could be my judgment because he's innocent of these ifs statements. So he knows that the judgments will not happen. So he's telling you that the severity of this will never happen to him because he has always lived correctly. So I want you to look back at the text. Look at 31, 
Verse 10, this comes right after verse 9 that says, if my heart has been enticed toward a woman and I have lain in wait at my neighbor's door, notice verse 10, it says this, then let my wife grind for another. We will not expound on that. And let others bow down on her. For that would be a a very serious crime because I can't say that word. That would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges, for that would be a fine that consumes as far as Abdalon and would burn to the root of all my increase. Listen, if I have been enticed by another woman and I went after her, let my wife do the same thing with a man. But he can say that because it's never happened. Okay, look at verse 6. He's he's talking about walking in falsehood in verse 5, and this is what he says. Let me be weighed in a just balance and let God know my integrity. In other words, I have never told a lie, and just to prove it, just let God come down here and tell you if I have lied. He's not going to be able to do it. I have always been truthful, is what he's saying. In verse 8, he says this. He says, then let me sow and another eat and let what grows for me be rooted out. He's talking about his way being turned aside and a judgment. In verse 22, verse 22 and 23, it says this. Then let my shoulder blade fall from my shoulder and let my arm be broken from its socket. For I was in terror of calamity from God and could not have faced his majesty. Let me be punished. Then in verse 40, he says this, let thorns grow instead of wheat and let foul weeds instead of barley. If I have done any of this, just let me be punished and do these punishments. Let me lose because I have sinned. He is basically taking us back to this verse that is in Scripture from Job 23.10. But he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. In other words, Job is saying, I am not guilty. I am not guilty. I have lived correctly. I am not guilty. The question I have for you this morning is, could you do the same thing? Could you say the same thing about your life? Could you stand right here before God in this congregation today and say, if I have lied, then let God come down today and show you where I have not told you the truth. And you would be very secure standing before the congregation this morning, knowing that God would not come and demonstrate where you have been deceitful. Could you stand before this congregation this morning and say, I have made a covenant with my eyes, and if I have had lustful feelings toward another, Let my wife and fill in the blank, and you could stand here this morning knowing that the punishment would never, ever take place because you have lived correctly. 
Could you stand before this congregation and God today and said, look, if I have treated somebody incorrectly, may I also be treated incorrectly to the nth degree, knowing that this would not happen because you've always treated people correctly. Could you stand before God and make these statements, knowing that the punishment would never happen because you have lived your life correctly. I would have to tell you this morning, I am not sure that even I could make these statements. I'm not going to tell you which ones. I've been here 10 years by next Sunday, and I plan on being here 10 more years, and uh, I'm just not going to do that. It's not going to do that. But I can tell you this. This is my goal. My goal is to live in such a way that I'm righteous enough to say, if I have done this, then punish me this way, knowing that I will not be punished. Knowing that I will not be punished. So where in the world does that leave us? Well, Turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And we'll begin reading with verse 9, actually. And this is what it says. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. You would underline that word, repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces what? Death. In Scripture, it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It, it is an amazing thing that God does. Here in this passage of Scripture, Paul makes a distinction between godly grief that leads to repentance and worldly grief that leads to death. See, I'm convinced that not everybody that says that they're sorry and not everybody that repents is doing it because of godly grief. Some people are doing it because it's worldly grief. It's worldly grief. What is the difference between godly grief and worldly grief? What, what is the difference? Well, worldly grief goes something like this. I am sorry that I got caught. I am sorry that you know that I have done this. I am sorry that this has affected you in a very unhealthy way. I am sorry that I am now having to bear the load of what I have done to hurt you. 
I am sorry I'm in this situation. I am sorry so I can get out of this situation. I am repenting because I want to put this behind us so that we will forget it. I am sorry, I, I am sorry, I, I am sorry, I, I am sorry, I. When you are sorry, I, that is worldly grief and it leads to death. You are not upset. Because you have sinned. You are upset because you have gotten caught and you have hurt people and people know. So you're trying to save your own being, what people think of you, more than you are serious about repenting and coming to a holy God and bowing at him, bowing down to him with a broken heart saying, Lord, I have done wrong. You see, we have a lot of worldly, worldly, I'm sorry, worldly, I'm I'm repenting, worldly, I, worldly, I, and it never brings us closer to the Savior. There are people that have walked the aisle to get saved that that have repented of their sins in a worldly fashion and not because it broke their heart, because it broke the heart of God and they knew for sure that it was wrong. Come on, church. Godly grief is when we no longer care about what other people think of us because we are more concerned that we have broken the heart of God and we want to connect back with him and we want the life that he gives us as we live in righteousness. It is not to try to make ourselves look better or make other Christians forgive us and so that we can go through life and look better to them. It is when we come and say, Lord, you are holy. I need your forgiveness. I need your blood on my life. I need you to forgive me of this. I am going to quit doing this and turn the other way. That is godly repentance. You have not repented until you've done it in a godly way. You have not repented until you have broken your heart before the Lord and said, Lord, I am not going to do this any longer, and you do not return. Come on. That is what it is. We met, we met yesterday morning with, with, with Thomas, and we were talking about sin, the whole group of us. And it seems like Christians... Battle sin, battle sin, battle sin, battle sin, battle sin. And there is a battle for sin. But there's two different ways to do it. Christians often battle sin to try not to do it again. And they, and they try to push it down. And they try to pers- per- and that, that's the battle. They're trying to push it out of their lives. They're trying to do, do this motion, right? But what they've forgotten is that there's godly repentance that does something totally different from that. You see... Godly repentance enables you to claim the victory that is in the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, that he shed his blood on the cross to give you freedom from the sin that you're trying to suppress. The battle is claiming victory. It's not trying to defeat it yourself. It's claiming the victory that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved you enough that he died on the cross for your sins So that if your heart breaks and you feel bad, you claim the victory that you have in sin 
by his blood and by his resurrection, you claim that victory, that is the battle. Every time we do the worldly grief thing and the worldly repentance thing, we're saying, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, I, and we're going straight to death and we never get victory. We're saying the sin has victory in our life and it can control me, it can make me do things, it can make me go in this direction. But when our heart breaks, ladies and gentlemen, and we repent, we reach out for the victory that Jesus Christ has already given us through his blood. And that victory flows into our life and we find out that we are not chained to that sin any longer. I know what people are saying when they say this, this right here. I'm, I'm not better than you, I'm just as sinful as you are. Every time we say that, we're saying that sin still has dominion over our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, sin does not have dominion over your life. It's either Jesus is strong enough to give you freedom, or he's not strong enough to give you freedom. It's either if you walk with him with a broken heart, and you try to do your best in that regard and claim that victory, or you're just going back to the sin that so easily besets you. In Christ, there is freedom from sin. In Christ, there is freedom from sin's rule over your life. In Christ, it is possible for you to live like God designed you to be. Come on, church. The Lord's Prayer says this. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I'm not gonna deliver myself. Jesus is gonna deliver me. And before I even get to the point where I'm doing the evil, I'm praying that God will not lead me into temptation. Lord, with your wisdom and your power and your holiness, give me what I need to recognize temptation when it comes in my life and give me the strength that I need to resist it and go the other direction. But if I go in the direction of temptation and if I sin, Lord, break my heart. And bring me to repentance so that I can claim the victory over sin in my life that you died for on the cross. You may be sitting here today and you think, well, I've never lived like Job. You know what? That's fine with me. What God wants at this particular point in your life is for you to make a commitment to say, I have it in the past, but I am going to in the future. I repent today of the sins that I have committed, and I'm going to step forward and live a different way in the future. That is the challenge for us today. Let's pray.